When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Red Sox beat, of course, again, uh, braving the elements. We are recording a show here, ready to get ready for uh, Winter Storm Juno, I believe that they're calling it yeah. nowadays. All I know, plenty of feet of snow. We're digging in here for the long haul. Just going from work, so if you're listening to us post-storm, glad you made it through. Congratulations. If you're listening to it before the storm, welcome welcome to the real heart of it. We're getting ready to dig our feet in and get ready to go, but don't want you to forget here that today's Red Sox beat episode, of course, is brought to you by our new partner. That is lynda.com. Uh, kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses. All you got to do is go to www.lynda.com backslash CLNS radio. Get your free 10-day trial. Learn new things from financial goals, helping yourself with financial goals, find work, life balances, uh, learn new hobbies, pick up a new language, whatever you got. They have plenty of courses there taught by experts on lynda.com. So get your free trial today. Going to lynda.com backslash CLNS and you will find great use of that. I know Nate and I both already started using it. It's great work. Uh, finishing off some Italiano language I kind of slacked a little bit in college to actually pick it up. So I'm trying to get it back and lynda.com will help. So, uh, not just language, anything, obviously go on there and get going. But, um, yeah, Nate, uh, we're, we're braving a snowstorm here, bud. Yeah, we are. Everybody better stock up, you know, be safe. You know, that's the main key. Get your milk, get your bread and, uh, you know, sit back and relax. Yeah, get a, get a nice day and a half probably of doing nothing if you're home from work now. Uh, good, you get enjoy it, and we're, we're excited to get going here this week on Red Sox Beat. Of course, I got a decent amount of news to talk about, but um, what what uh, I, I always lose my track of thought. I hate when I do this. Um, I want to start with something you gave to me, Nate. Um, we're gonna get past the snowstorm. We're gonna get going. We're gonna get in a grind here, and I want to start with the news that you sent me earlier that I didn't really. Uh, even see until you popped it up and then now it's starting to get a little more traction here in Boston but uh, the whole Joe Kelly news he obviously we got Joe Kelly last year in a trade from the Cardinals that when we traded over John Lackey and Joe Kelly's come out and said he's winning the uh, AL Cy Young it's a little over the top date Yep, it is. Uh, it's a little bit over the top, you know, when you got Felix Hernandez, David Price, and all those guys pitching in the league. But I've, you know, I've said this before about this kid. You know, he was one of the best young pitchers going in baseball. You know, ten wins in 2013. You know, a sub two seven ERA. You know, I think this kid is going to be really good. Arm issues aside, you know, once he gets those ironed out, you know, he said it. He feels healthy. You know, I think he could be sort of that John Lackey pitcher in this rotation. And I do think he's going to pitch his way up to the top part of this team. You know, he's like I said, he's got some raw stuff. You know, he can power, he can uh, power the fastball by you. Got excellent off-speed pitches. You know, good slider. He's got a steady diet of pitches, and you know, I like that about this kid. You know, I, I expect him to have a big year. And like I said earlier, with uh, you know, Jess, I think he's going to be around the 17 win mark. 
I hope you're right because that's a big deal. I think the Red Sox are banking on pitchers like him in our rotation who need to uh, bolster up potentially if they don't want to go get Nace potentially going after Jordan Zimmerman or stuff or anyone of that caliber, even a James Shields, which is probably a long cause at this point. But Joe Kelly has come out. He was he spoke um, to the radio world on Saturday, which was at the uh, at the winter weekend that they held they hold every year, and it's a great cause. It was fun to watch some of the kids, and they had. Uh, good stuff going on, typical Red Sox event. But um, he came out and said that he's going to win the AL Young, and then he was talked about it afterwards. And he said, yeah, I'm going to win this year. Uh, that's what I told the radio guys. They didn't believe me, so uh sucks to be them. And that's him basically coming out and saying, I'm proving everyone wrong. Everyone's not going to believe me. I'm not kidding, but I'm actually I'm going to do it. Um, he also quoted to say, last year getting hurt, it was horrible for me. Getting hurt, I was gone for three months and then traded. I felt like I didn't even have a season last year. It's something that I'm looking forward to this year. Hopefully, knock on wood, I'll pitch the whole year healthy and get through it and be pitching in October and not having any arms or any leg problems. Just go out there and kick some butt. Um, he also then went on, also went on to talk about his um, mood and he's a, the fact that he's a good, he actually is a good locker room guy. And that's what he's kind of what they, what was it, the Red Sox were attracted to. Um, he, he can be, uh, and Alan Craig's attest to this, his teammate who came over with him in St. Louis is now as a Red Sox as well, and he's attested to this too in this article and before that Joe, when Joe Kelly pitches, you don't want to go near him because he's an angry dude, and he he, he wants to sucker punch people. He gets he, If you get in Joe Kelly's way on his start day, uh, you're going to get hurt probably, but other days than that, he's very loosey-goosey. He's, very, he's, very, uh, he's a jokester in the locker room. He likes to keep guys' spirits up. He's always the one cheering over the... F- over the uh, dugout fence and really gets on teams and gets on his team and gets him going and ready to be excited. So um, I think it's one of those things where, I'm I, as a fan, I like to hear his confidence, especially coming off the injury, Nate, and I just think that he is going to come in and be successful. I think, I don't know if 17 wins is a little high maybe, but um, I definitely see him being around the 14, 15 win mark and helping this, ro- helping this roster uh, and this pitching staff really be successful for this team who – realistically has a shot of winning the AL East again just because of the fact that the rest of the division sucks. So that's kind of just the way they're already up there just before they even get to spring training, which starts in a few weeks. So I, I like his confidence. I don't Obviously, he's not going to come out and be an ace. He's going to be a three or four guy, which, again, we don't really have an ace. But um, he's not going to be the, the guy who needs um, the top of the rotation. So his confidence can be boosted from a decent starting against a lower-tier pitcher. He's gonna His wins might go up just because of that alone. So um, that might pad him to get 17, 18 wins. I don't know. I'd love to see it. I think if this team wants to go with deep into October and this team wants another shot to going from worst to first again, they're going to need a guy like Joe Kelly and Justin Masterson to be those guys to go 16, 17 wins and be the guys that they were before they got hurt or before they slumped in Justin Masterson's case and really just feast on pitching against lower talent pitchers and get those wins built up more because you you got to bet that there's probably not going to be a pitcher on the staff who's going to lack run support this year with the offense they were able to put together. So you got to think that it's kind of on the pitchers now. They uh, they gave them the offense. You're not going to have a John Lackey situation last year where they just weren't getting run support unless something happens. Nate, the run support run support's going to be in a plethora of an amount this year. Yeah, the run support is definitely going to be there, you know, with the revamped offense, you know, even minus Spedas, you know, we still have the bats, you know, with the additions of Hanley, Pablo Sandoval, but, you know, we talk about a guy like Joe Kelly, you know, this kid was going to start game seven of the World Series a few years ago if it went seven games, so, you know, he's definitely a guy who, who you know, his coaches trust, you know, his teammates trust, you know, you mentioned that, you know, he takes every game seriously, you know, you don't want to go near him, and, you know, that's what we really want, we don't want a pitcher who's going to be in there, you know, drinking beer, 
or eating fried chicken, you know, the whole fiasco with Beckett and all those guys. You know, we want a guy who's going to take his job seriously, whether the Red Sox are 15 games out or 15 games up. You know, that's what I like about this kid. And, you know, by all the, the look I've had of him, you know, he looks like a grinder and he looks like he could be an excellent, excellent addition to the staff. Yeah, I, I really like Joe Kelly watching him down the stretch last year. Obviously, Nate, there wasn't much to watch. We kind of dragged through the mud to get through the end of the season last year when the kids started playing. And baseball fanatics like us, we, we I enjoyed watching last year because I enjoyed getting to see the kids who I've heard so much about but never really got to see play in person. But now watching them play last year, you kind of see what you have realistically at this level. And I liked what I, I, I was really excited to watch Joe Kelly pitch whenever he pitched last year towards the end of the season. So... I'm excited to see what he can bring now with the full season, get through spring training with this staff, and really buckle in here as be a Red Sox for the season and really see, show me what he can have. But, again, I love the comments. I really do. I'm not really against them. I know they're very forward, and that might seem that might push a lot of fans away. But I think you have to take it what he's saying. is he, he's come, that's, a, that's him building confidence, and he wants you to kind of hop along for the ride. And I'm, I'm all in on the Joe Kelly train. I'm cool with that. I, I love Joe Kelly, and I think that – He's going to progress well. I know a lot of baseball heads that I've talked to said the same thing. They love they love the guy, and I think a lot of people are on the same page with. Um, I, I really I really think that this is going to be a good year for him. I think he's going to bounce back. The injury was tough for him, but I think overall, Nate, I think this is just going to be a phenomenal year. Yep, I do, and uh, you know I like that he's building his confidence. You know, we see some of the best athletes do that. You know, Richard Sherman's an example for the Seahawks. You know, they're out there, they're talking, uh, they're still up. You know, they're saying they're going to go out there and they're going to do the best, and you know they're going to be the best. And you know, I do like that about him. And you know, I, like I've said earlier, I just think he's in for a monster year. And you know, I watched him in St. Louis before this injury, while he was one of the best pitchers in the game. You know, one of the top ranked prospects. And you know, I I really thought he would have fit perfect on the Sox. And you know, when they went out and got him, I'm like, you know, they're getting Craig and Kelly. You know, two young guys. You know, injury riddled, but um. I, I just think they're going to fit very well on this team. Yeah, I, I think he's going to do well. Um, last year, 6-4, and 4.2 ERA and 17 starts between Cardinals and the Red Sox. Kind of discount those numbers. They're not awful, really. The ERA is a little high. Um, and then he obviously got hurt, so and he wasn't himself, really, within the trade as well. So I, I don't think you, those numbers can definitely be higher. I think coming from coming onto a team that's going to give him run support um, almost every start he gets, um, I think you're going to see that six and four record really bump jump up. You might the ERA might stay on the same. Hopefully it'll dip down below four at least. I'd be content with that as long as he's getting his wins. But um, you definitely you're going to have to be patient with him this year. At the, I think at the beginning and most of the Red Sox staff, I think we're going to have to be patient, Nate, just because I think you're going to see a lot more runs put up than you really want to against the Red Sox. You're going to see a lot at first. I think you're going to see the team relying heavy on the offense. I think you're going to have to be surprised by the pitching staff. I think we will eventually. I think. I don't think the Red Sox are done with the pitching staff as much as they keep saying they're they're okay with it, but I think there's I think they're on the hopes for potentially a Jordan Zimmerman deal, a Steven Strasburg deal if he's made available. I may potentially being a sleeper team in James Shields. I think there's one more guy out there they're keeping their eyes on and they just don't want to be publicly in it and I think they're pulling a out of the Yankees playbook. And I think they I think they're in on one more guy. I think we're going to find out for spring training whether they get that guy or not. I'm hoping they do. Um Pitchers and catchers report in less than a month now. So I, I really hope that they get that guy. I'm hoping it's Jordan Zimmerman or Steven Strasburg if he's made available. But all, all I know is I'm not okay with where they are right now. As much as everyone's saying they don't need an ace and the, and the Red Sox are saying they're comfortable with where they're at, 
with where they're at. I really believe they need an ace going into this season. I really want one more guy. I don't need him to be a top-level guy. As much as I would love to get Jordan Zimmerman or Steven Strasburg to kind of come in and anchor this rotation, they don't need it. I just like maybe even a James Shield, something like that caliber. I just need one more guy to really make myself feel better about the three or four, the three and fours that he brought in, Sherrington, that is, to bolster this rotation. You need that one more guy. I, I love Rick Porcillo. I love what he brings to the mound and his grit and determination to win. But I think you need one more guy on top of him. Yeah, I do agree that you do need one more guy. And, uh, you know, I've looked at some of the potential Jordan Zimmerman deals. And, um, you know, I, I um, seen that the Red Sox earlier in the offseason, obviously before they traded Yoannis, that they had offered him to the Nationals for Zimmerman. You know, that deal was shot down, a deal uh, for Yoannis uh, for Fister, that deal was shot down. So, you know, definitely the trade for Zimmerman, it's going to take some top-tier prospects. You know, I, I've seen Barnes, um, Craig, Bogarts, you know, those names pop up. Uh, Bradley Jr., you know, I just ultimately don't want this team to trade away too much. You know, I would be content with this rotation. I don't look at Zimmerman and think he's an American League-style ace. You know, he's definitely a good ace in the National League. I look at Zimmerman and think, you know, he's sort of the same guy as Shields sort as a two so I, I would go the route of signing shields obviously you know he's he wants a lot of money you know I wouldn't give him all the money he wants you know hundred million dollars you know that's just insane for a guy who just can't quite frankly can't pitch in the postseason so um you know I'd sit back I'd wait for what um you know the offseason to develop just a little bit more you know come the end of February if they really feel like they need that pitcher you know then you can go out and make a deal but I just wouldn't trade away too too much for Zimmerman you know I like the thought of Cueto but I would still push the res a little bit you know I think they would be open to dealing Cueto you know they have said they don't really want to deal him but looking at all the expiring contracts they had you know trading away a couple key guys that they've already done you know they still want to get rid of Cueto. You know, there's no way Cueto's going to get all that money from that team. So, you know, they're pressed against the cap. They don't want to go over the luxury tax. And, you know, I think Boston would be a good fit for Johnny Cueto. Yeah, I've always liked Johnny Cueto. I think I mean, we've, talk, we've kind of talked about the Reds' possibilities for episodes and episodes now, and I, I really love the idea of, of Cueto being on this team. Um, I'm not obviously going to – I'm not going to put all my stock in Jordan Zimmerman because I don't think it will happen. I think – I think the, the Nats might kind of stay put where they are and kind of go in with six starters and see what's going on because you know, it's nice to have pitching depth and you don't really want to take it for granted if you're the Nationals because you never know one of them might get hurt. Steven Strasburg has a history of an injury history. So one guy goes down and you're kind of nice to have that extra starter there and you might be able to rotate a, a fifth guy in every once in a while, in, a sixth guy in to the bottom of that rotation, give people rest. You have plenty of flexibility with six starters, so I'm not banking on them dealing, but it definitely gives them more flexibility to deal someone to get something back in return if they do want something else to kind of bolster their offense or bolster maybe a long relief type of option. Either way, they do have options there. But either way, Joe Kelly made his comments, and I'm kind of sticking with him. I know he's not going to win the AL Cy Young. I'm not dumb. I'm not going to sit here and kind of hop on that bandwagon. But, dude, guys, this, this kid's only 26 years old. He's not old at all. And if you can get him coming off of an injury now healthy and ready to go, and if you can get him – coming into a full year with the Red Sox, great staff. And if I, I think this kid could be good next year, and I think if he, you, you found something here if you're Ben Sherrington and the Cardinals gave up on him because they wanted John Lackey to make that push, I think you're, giving, you're getting someone in return who could be here middle of rotation for a long time now. And I think I, I'm predicting whether it's not going to be next year or the year after, I really do think that whenever the Red Sox do win another World Series, this guy will be in the rotation because I feel like Ben Sherrington really, really likes him. 
Yep, I definitely do agree. And I said, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. You know, I, I think him and Porcello have a lot of qualities that are alike. You know, same build. You know, same, you know, fastball. You know, they have excellent off-speed pitches. And, you know, they're both kind of flown under the radar. So, you know, that's what I like about both. You know, they both got a lot to prove. Both want big contracts. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. I'd expect a decent year from both of them. And, um, you know... You know, all eyes are on Clay Buckholtz. You know, can he bounce back? You know, so many question marks in this staff. But, you know, I see more positives when I look at it than negatives. Yeah, no, I, I like Joe Kelly. I have all I have. And I think moving forward, he's going to do very well for this team this year and potentially and hopefully beyond. But uh, so we're going to definitely have to keep an eye on that during once the spring training rolls around. Because spring training's right around the corner, despite this giant snowstorm and all the white stuff and the Super Bowl this week. It, it, it's it's right around the corner, pitches and catches report. So, um Definitely uh, something to keep an eye on as we uh, get toward, closer towards truck day and the exciting that is uh, spring training around here in Boston and down in Fort Myers. Um, of course, you're listening to Red Sox Beat here for CNS Radio, Nate Rollins, Jared Scali. Um, this episode, of course, is brought to you by our new sponsor, Lynda.com. Go check it out, Lynda.com backslash CLNS to get your free 10-day trial today. Um, taking a break. Obviously, we're going to keep, keep taking a break here for all your deflated football talk. We're giving you some baseball talk here. Um, most most radio stations in the area are talking Super Bowl and deflated footballs, and we're kind of giving you a break. We like like to change things up here. We like our baseball, and there's plenty to talk about in the baseball world, despite the Super Bowl being less than a week away. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big Pats fan, and I cannot wait for the game. But it's a nice break and change of pace from talking about air pressures and PSIs. Um, more news in baseball. This is actually recently since we've come on here to talk, start doing this podcast. Uh, the, reportedly, the out of the Bronx, the New York Yankees are refusing to pay A Rod six million dollar bonus, which is a home run bonus. Um, he is due his six million dollar home run bonus. Um, he sits currently at six fifty four homers, and I believe he is what six seven away from passing, six away from tying. Um, and if he does pass that milestone, then he gets six million dollars, and the Yankees do not want to pay it. And I don't blame them because I think it's just I, I think it's a dumb thing. I, obviously, the, it's in the contract, and if he gets it and they can't figure this out, he's going to have to pay him. And he's coming back, and if he plays, he's probably going. To, he's obviously going to pass it, but they're trying to work it out that he doesn't have to pay it. Uh, they're trying to work some legal case around him involving the PEDs and that he shouldn't be eligible for it and all this crap. I don't think the Yankees are going to win that. Um, Nate, I just don't, I I think the Yankee. I'm actually siding with the Yankees because I just my dislike for A Rod is that strong. I think the Yankees are doing they're going to do their best, but ultimately I don't think they're going to succeed in trying to get him, not get him his bonus unless he doesn't play. You know, I hope the Yankees do have to do have to pay. And you know, this is A Rod's just a loser aside. You know, this team went out on a limb. They paid him a 275 million dollar contract for 10 years. You know, that was their first mistake. You know, how did they not know that this guy was on some sort of PEDs aside? You know, he he was just hitting home runs left and right with Texas, Seattle. Um, and now he's just lied constantly about the use. And, you know, the Yankees were stuck by his side so long. And now they don't want to pay him when they, you know, when the money's uh, for the home runs comes up. Now they want to make an excuse why not to pay him. You know, this is a team pressed against the cap. I, I know they don't want to go over the luxury tax. And I know that 
inside, the Yankees are saying, we look like fools for paying this guy. We look like fools for having to pay this guy a $6 million home run bonus. You know, he's just going to DH. He's going to play like a fourth of the season. You know, he's going to break down. And, you know, I'm happy the Yankees are going to have to pay him. You know, that was their stupid mistake in paying this guy an insane contract with insane incentives in here. And, you know, the Yankees always want to win these high bids. And, you know, Sabathia, A-Rod, Teixeira, quite frankly, they've all come back to bite him in the butt. From the New York Daily News, which is the first one to kind of write this up, uh, they quoting that article, now the Yankees will argue that Rodriguez signed the agreement under false pretenses and has rendered the marketing opportunities oh, worthless based on years of lies, deception, and finally, admission to DEA agents last year that he had paid $12,000 a month to Anthony Bosch for steroids and other performance-enhancing drugs. So basically, the Yankees are trying to prove that he signed that contract under false pretenses, knowing that he was cheating to get to his contract, and that the Yankees had no idea. I don't see it's so hard for me to decide because I really don't want A Rod to get the money. And I don't think he deserves the money. But I don't want the Yankees to get off either. So it's just a matter of kind of, it's for, for Red Sox fans and from this point my point of view it's a lose lose for anyone in my our situation, but I think in that situation you have to favor the Yankees because as weird of a case as it might be, if this actually kind of gets some legs here and steams through in the coming months and gets towards closer to spring training in the next few weeks. I just think that you kind of have to root for the Yankees only in the sense of A-Rod's an awful human being, and he's scum, and he cheated, and I get, I, this is awful coming from a Patriots fan who's, who, who, are, who we're all clearly sitting here defending potential cheating, but I just think that A-Rod's probably been taking steroids a lot longer than we have been testing him for him, and they've been testing him for him, and it's just a matter of a lot of those home runs probably came under the influence of uh PEDs and steroids or whatever he was taking, and yeah, despite he wasn't paying twelve thousand dollars a month for someone, the whole career, his whole career, he's got, he, his prime in in Texas. He was still just past the steroid era, but he was still kind of in it. And baseball was just kind of trying to get its legs and testing. So I re- I really believe that um, he has been cheating probably the bulk of his career, and I just feel like he shouldn't. Despite as much as I don't want the Yankees to have to get off, I just don't think he deserves a $6 million bonus. But I'm sure he's going to get it. I'm sure it's not going to work out that way. And despite everyone says, well, he doesn't deserve it because he's cheating. Well, I don't think that Barry Bonds should deserve the home run champion crown either. Because, and, he should have, and he has an asterisk in the Hall of Fame, but the numbers because of PED use, but he still is the home run king. So it's just, I think A-Rod at the end of the day is going to get paid, but this news coming out of New York this afternoon is crazy to me because the fact that I, I had no idea that they, they could even possibly try to build a case around this because I just kind of assumed they were going to have to suck it up and pay him. Yep. Uh, but my big thing is, you know, this is a guy who had 52, 57 home runs with Texas. You know, I just cannot believe that when the Yankees brought him in here, signed him through 2017, you know, he'd have, I think, 22 years in the league. There is no way in human existence that they did not know this guy was on steroids. Yeah, they can say they don't have documents. They can say he didn't admit it. But there's no way this kid cranks out 57 home runs, drives in a near 150 RBIs, and they're going to look me straight in the face and say, oh, I didn't know he was on steroids. So, you know, they had to have known he was on something. They had to have known he was Anthony Bosch. You know, I just think the Yankees are a lot dirtier team than many believe. You know, I think they had definitely had connections with Bosch, A-Rod, and, you know, they won't admit it. 
but I think they would they just wanted to bring this guy in to build a name, to market this guy, to have him as the cornerstone of the franchise. And like I said earlier, it's come back to bite him in the butt and good. Now you got a guy who signed through 2017, who you're going to owe a ton of money, and you're actually going to have to pay it to somebody because you ain't releasing him. I know I say it a lot whenever I talk about A-Rod, and you'll, you'll, if you haven't picked up on it already, you will, because he's coming back this year, folks. Whether you like it or not, he's off his ban, he's going to be at spring training, and he's potentially going to be in a Yankees uniform all season. So, you're lucky at Red Sox fans that, you don't, that he didn't finish, finalize that deal to come to Boston. Um, I love the 30 for 30 short ESPN did. Um, on that situation that year when he didn't sign here, there's a Red Sox contract somewhere in a vault with his na- with his signature on it. A Rod had signed a Red Sox deal and then it, it fell through. I forget the complete parameters of it, Nate. If you know them, feel free to chi- uh, remind me. But I rem- there is a signed contract for the Red Sox to pay him and be a member of the Red Sox with his signature on it, and so he officially committed to being a Red Sox. And you were that close to having to deal with this here in, at Fenway, and I'm so happy, and always will be so happy that did not happen. Because it is just, it would have been horrendous if it did happen, and I, I, Nate, I just, I just think that the Red Sox clearly got off with one here and got away with one, and now, uh, realistically, you got to think that the Yankees are kind of in a hole, and who knows what they're going to do with him moving forward. Yep, I would have been upset if the Red Sox got him, but, um, you know, a uh, big thing with the Yankees... Wait, you would have been upset, or you wouldn't have been upset? I would have, looking at him now, but I okay. wouldn't have back then. But, you know, a big thing about the Yankees, now comes the $6 million that he's going to be owed. You know, why didn't they bring this case up before he was near the $6 million milestone? Get the stuff ironed out, and then they wouldn't have to pay him. You know, I just think waiting till now, waiting till he's close to making the $6 million, you know, it's just a goofy mistake. And, you know, I just have a tough time believing that the Red Sox or Yankees didn't know that this guy was on some sort of drug use, steroid use, PED use, you know. You looked at the guy, he was jacked, he was built, you know, he's taking pictures of himself in the mirror, selfies, all that, and, you know, <laughs> then when he gets caught by the MLB, after denying it for all these years, you don't want to pay him the money. Well, you know what? Tough luck. Pay it to him. Yeah, you you got to pay it to him, unfortunately. I don't want him to. I, I, I'm rooting for the Yankees in this situation. Somehow, if a court can rule in their favor, if they do kind of build a case for it, that would be amazing. Um, I, I, I'm going to feel like this is going to be very drawn out um, because I don't think there's going to be any res- resolution before opening day, and you got to think he's going to hit those home runs pretty quickly. I'm assuming he's in somewhat of baseball shape. I'm assuming he's still doing steroids. Um so I'm going to safely assume he's going to hit that home run bonus pretty damn soon going into the season. So I'm intrigued to see what happens when he actually does do it, and then they refuse to pay him, and that kind of standoff that's going to happen during the season. I think A-Rod's going to be a huge distraction for this team throughout the season, and I think he's going to be a plague over New York. And I think that they, he might be a big reason why they might miss the playoffs. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a reason that the Yankees... It'll be a big distraction. Well, I don't think he's going to be that big of a distraction. You know, obviously, fans in New York, now they all just hate him. You know, after the contract, you know, now turns, he stinks. He was a cheater, steroid user. You know, the MLB catches him, and now they don't like him. You know, it's funny how Yankees fans can go from defending this guy left and right. You know, they give a left arm for this guy, and now he's caught with steroids, and they just don't like him. 
you know, I, I just really find it hard to believe, you know, it just doesn't make much sense. And, you know, that's the reason I would like the Yankees to pay him the $6 million because, you know, they were defending this guy. They were defending this guy when the MLB and, uh, you know, other players, you know, other agents were saying, you know, this guy's on steroids, you know, he, he, all these failed tests and stuff like that. And now he gets caught, you know, tough luck. You know, I'm going to say it again. Tough luck. Pay the guy. You would have thought this guy was cheater when he first signed. You would have thought this guy was the most honorable and noble man in the league when they first signed him. And as soon when this news, when the news broke of him being on steroids, people were defending him at first, and people were like, "Oh no, he wouldn't have done that. It's it's a Rod." I was like, "No, it's he's not Derek Cheater. He's not your guy. He's he's a Rod. Of course he was cheating." But now, when this comes out, everyone's gonna be, "Oh yeah, the Yankees don't. You shouldn't pay him. He's a bomb." And, yeah, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have to pay him. It's A-Rod. He's a cheater. He's a, he's scum. He shouldn't even be on the team anymore. Well, you know what, Yankees fans? Sorry, you're stuck with him. And it's my great pleasure to tell you you're stuck with him. Because, you know what? You're Yankees. And I don't like you guys. Sorry. But I just feel like the Yankees are not going to win this case. And I'm not going to sit here and harp on it for the next half hour, however long we have left here. I'm, I'm going to move on. But I felt it was worth bringing up because, hey, we're Red Sox podcast. And I, I gotta, I, I gotta hope that maybe this conversation might spark a little Red Sox Yankees rivalry back up to where it should be. So, that being said, I'm gonna leave that at be. We're gonna see where it's going. More news um, out of baseball itself. Um, I, this, this one to me, Nate, and I sent this to you, and I thought it was crazy. Um, Rob Manfred took over com- being commissioner this weekend, and he is officially the commissioner. And his, in his first like public press conference, wasn't even asked. This wasn't even like a question. He kind of just publicly said this in the middle of an answer. He said that he would be open to banning or I don't even eliminating. I don't know how you would enforce this, but uh, eliminating the use of the uh, defensive shift. He is open to the idea of keeping making players stay at their base positions on the in, in the field, so that basically, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's when. Whenever Ortiz gets up to bat and they put someone in short right field, so whenever he hits the ball, it happens to go right to him, this guy wants to ban that. And that might sound amazing because David Ortiz won't have to worry about a shift, but I think that kind of ruins the idea of a game. I thought, I, when I first saw this too, Nate, I really thought that I liked the idea of it because in my head I first thought, oh, David Ortiz can finally get some more hits. Then I thought about it, and I really thought about it, and I had more time to think about it since I saw this because I sent this to you pretty early this morning, and when I keep reading it, I can't, and I kept thinking about it, the more and more I think about it, the more and more it ruins the game. The more and more it keeps you from strategizing. And if you don't want to think about it in baseball terms, think about it in football terms. It's like telling the Patriots to only play a 3-4 defense and to only have receivers line up here, 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 and here. I mean, your defensive backs and not allowing anyone else to move. And you can't trick people. You can't do this and that. It's the same idea only in baseball. And we all know what the shift does to pitchers for pitching games. We all know what the shift does for people who cannot hit opposite field and whatever. But... I, the more and more I think about it, Nate, the more and more I realize it's a really dumb idea. Yeah, I don't have much to say on this. You know, I look at a guy like Manfred, you know, he's just trying to establish himself early, you know. This is just a goofy move, you know. You look at teams like the Cubs now with Madden, uh, the Angels, Sosha, you know, the Rays they used to do. You know, there was so much strategy that could draw up with these shifts, you know, um, pulling players in, you know, moving them far out in the right field, far out into the left field. You know, those bringing more infielders in, you know, the, there was just so much that went into it. And, you know, when it happens during 
during a game, you say, oh, that's something neat, you know, why is the center fielder, you know, playing near the shortstop or something? Well, you, you got a big left-handed bat, you know, you have the right <laughs> fielder in the center field, you know, all those cool things that's going on, and, you know, this guy wants to ban it, you know, I, I don't see any way that this is going to pass through any vote or something like that, but, um, you know, I have seen two GMs who said, you know, they like the idea. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, the GMs say, but my opinion on it is it shouldn't happen. Yeah, no, I don't like it. Um, I know I, I have seen – I don't remember who it was. I did see some places where it, it's kind of torn and some people would like it. But um, – and I just feel like it kind of adds a little more of excitement to the game. I know it kind of takes away some hits, but it, if someone doesn't know baseball and they see that, they go, oh, that's, what is that? That's kind of cool. It's different. It's different to playing defense. It's kind of – it's just – it's. I don't even know how to describe it because it's just it is what it is. It's a shift. It kind of it's not really an advantage. It's not cheating or any way. It's just the teams kind of figure out a way to put their best foot forward to stop the players from from the batters from hitting into the best situation they possibly can. There's no rule set in stone saying players can't move. Players can't. Players can play wherever they want. You could put every guy in right field if you really wanted to and have them have a little campfire while while your pitcher goes out there and throws the ball. I'm not saying you're going to do that. But I'm just saying there's no rule around that, and there's no rule saying you can't put a guy in short right field and leave third base wide open. It is a team preference. It's based on your manager, and a lot of managers have started to adopt it. And I'm pretty sure Joe Madden was the first one to use it um, when he saw David Ortiz constantly and put um, his his third baseman over in short right field. So I'm, um, And now you're seeing it more and more team starting to develop it and you saw a lot of it against David Ortiz and David Ortiz was really the first batter that it was used against and now it's kind of becoming a league-wide thing and it really has become a league-wide thing where players go out players who can only hit opposite field will have a lot of defense shifts to opposite field or something like that where they just try to the, the defense is trying to gain that edge and really predict where the ball is going to go in. it's a risk it's not it doesn't always work out David Ortiz hits balls down the third baseline sometimes with a shift on it happens you're gonna have to overcome it and I just think that like you said, Nate, and I completely agree with what your way you said it was. Manfred's just new to this league, not in terms of the league itself, but being in charge of it. And he wants to ch- he wants to be the guy in his head. He's coming in thinking, all right, I'm going to be the guy to bring baseball back alive. And he probably and if it does, if baseball does come back to being what it used to be, he's going to be the guy to do it. He's going to be probably in charge long enough to be that guy. So I think that Rob Manfred's in his head thinking, all right. What can I do to get this for off the ground running right now? Okay, cool. Here's something a lot of people don't like. Let's change the shift rule. And he's just trying to get his head in here and really make it obvious that he's here for real. And I think, Nate, it's better for him to not do this at all, like completely just erase this from his memory, get some men in black in here and just kind of erase his memory, just get rid of it. But I think the best thing for him to do is focus on shortening the game. He needs to worry about the pitch clock situation, which is already, like we talked about last week, he implemented the double A AA and triple A. That's huge. That's a big step. A lot of fans are going to see that. We've talked about that. That's a big one. Uh, you should go talk about eliminating lengths of breaks in between innings and making commercials shorter. Sorry, you're going to lose a little bit of money, but it'll bring, you'll make it up in the long run when you bring people back to your game. Stuff like that. I don't think this is the right way to make your impact. Shorten the game, my friend. Manfred, shorten the game. Yep, I agree, you know, shorten the game, you know, find a way to get, uh, you know, more fans back watching the game, you know, um, going to the game, and, you know, this rule's just stupid, you know, and like I said, I hope it never passes, and it would take so much strategy out of the game, you know, but hey, Ortiz would benefit from it, so he'd be fine, but, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, other teams going against Ortiz, I'm sure they'll complain a little bit. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I think a lot of Red Sox fans like it, would like it at first because it would give him more hits, Ortiz, and potentially Pablo Sandoval and all these new guys who are coming in. But I just, I just think that it, overall, it, I don't think it'd be good for the game. Um, I, I, I just think that he's trying, like you said, he's just trying to make a statement. He's trying to get in here and really push the envelope and really just work towards making his mark on the game. I think he's just he's kind of rushing it, don't you think? Yeah, he is rushing it, definitely. I mean, first day in the office, and he's already he's already talking about this. You know, he knows the challenges that face him. You know, he knows the challenges that to get baseball back and baseball being watched more. And, you know, to go with something like this, you know, I, I don't think he would end up doing it. I think it's more of a let's make a statement, let everyone know that, you know, I'm taking charge. You know, not many people knew that Selig was stepping down. So, you know, get some attention to him. You know, look like that guy that'll impose penalties, you know, change rules, you know, won't take any crap. And, you know, yeah, he's done a good job drawing some attention, definitely, from us Red Sox fans. Yeah, and I think that it's not – I don't think it's just going to be our podcast today or whatever talking about this. I think this is kind of kind of news that kind of sprung up on us this over the weekend when he started to – when he took over. And I think you're going to see a lot of people who are talking baseball this time of year, as few as we might be now, Nate, because there's snow falling again in the Super Bowl week. But people who are talking baseball this week are going to be talking about this because it's kind of a stamp on his – the beginning of his tenure as commissioner. And I don't think – He's obviously not going to fall through this. I highly doubt it, but I think it's worth noting that he said it because it's kind of like, okay, I'm here. I want to make an impact. Just he's got to do it the right way. And I think moving forward, going into his first spring training as commissioner and just kind of, he needs to get his face out there, go to games. I know Bud Selick was good for going to games and getting his face out there. He needs to get out there, kind of warm the hearts over people in the league to get so they can trust him. I know people voted him in and everything, but kind of get out there and then get to know the fans even, get to know what the fans want. I think that's the biggest thing for me is if, now I'm putting myself in the. If I was a commissioner, which I, I like to play hypotheticals, <laughs> if I was a commission, if I was a commissioner of this league, I my first step would try to get kind of not say get to know the fans. I guess so maybe, but go out there and talk to people and say, okay, what do you like and dislike about this game? It's it's people would respect him so much more as a commissioner, and no one in charge does this with any of the major four sports in any of New uh, America. It's just a matter of. There's a disconnect between commissioner and fans, and obviously there's a lot of people in between commissioner and fans in terms of the hierarchy and the, the food chain in Major League Baseball. But commissioner's main goal is to please the fans and get money and make money. If you can get to the fans and know the fans, if you go, if you skip all of your middlemen as, as the commissioner, and if I was to go right to the fans and get to know them and really see what they don't like and like and get a consensus of what baseball is lacking, that'll help you fix it. And I think there's a lot of people working on this right now in terms of committees and all that stuff within baseball to fix the game. But what better way to figure out what fans want than just asking the fans themselves? Yep, he's got to go out, he's got to meet some people, and, uh, you know, I couldn't have said it any better. You know, that's what he has to do. Yeah, I, I think that he really needs to, really just needs to kind of buckle down and figure things out. Obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a pass on this statement because, hey, it's a rash statement, but he, he, he wanted to come out and kind of announce he was here and announce he was going. So he definitely is on the right track there. Um, again, of course, this is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio, Lynda.com. New sponsor, go check it out, Lynda.com, backslash CLNS Radio. Get your free trial today. Uh, we're more than help, happy to uh, bring you uh, a free trial of Lynda.com. Uh, moving on from the commissioner's new rule here, we'll get to some uh, more player news here. 
there's been a trade rumor going over the weekend. Friday, it kind of had a big, big push, and it looked like it was in deep talks. Uh, Jeff Passan reported it early on Friday. Our good old friend Jonathan Papelbon is in rumors. Um, Jonathan Papelbon and the Phillies uh, were to have been talking. Well, Jonathan Papelbon, of course. But the Phillies have been talking to the Brewers, and, of course, to consider training Jonathan Papelbon to the Brewers. The Brewers are looking to replace Francisco Rodriguez if they were to not, of course, resign K-Rod. Um, Papelbon... There, we don't know what the report turn was would be or anything like that. There's no nothing of the trade of that potential trade has been disclosed or anything like that to Passon. But and we don't even know if he is on Papelbon's no trade list. The Brewers could be. Uh, Papelbon has 17 teams he can veto a trade to. I know the Red Sox are one because he would never come back here. But um, I don't know if the Brewers are. No one uh, no one knows the full list, so I don't think anyone knows. Um, these trade talks have been dying down as of late, but potential of Jonathan Palpon leaving the Phillies is, is is interesting to me. He's 34 years old, hasn't really done anything since being with the Phillies. Um, now just kind of a good closer on a bad team. He's 2.04 ERA last year, 39 saves, pitched in 66 games. Um, he really he needs to get off the books. He has a one-year contract left for $13 million, um, and he has a vesting option for $13 million in 2016. Um, they're working on getting rid of themselves. Uh, they can out they can release him, but I know they want to get something for him. Obviously, Papelbon is an open minded, uh, um, not open minded, uh, very controversial mind in terms of he's very outspoken. Uh, he was suspended seven games last year, of course, by the club themselves, not by the league, for that um, adjustment of his pants or the crotch grab, which which really what it was, which was just a crotch grab. Um, they they potentially want to work out that trade potentially to send to send Papelbon over there. Um, we know that Ken Giles, I believe it's Kyle's, I don't think it's Giles, the young guy for Philly is ready to take over the closing roles if they were to part ways with John Papelbon. Um, we don't know the details of this trade date, but I think it's time, obviously it's time for them to part ways with him, but I don't know if this trade's actually going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if this trade's going to happen either. And, uh, you know, Papelbon has been dead with me ever since he said, you know, Phillies fans were smarter than Boston fans. And Philly oh, he crapped on the Red Sox fans. Phillies fans knew more about baseball than Red Sox fans. But, you know, Philly's a team, you know, going nowhere. You know, they got old guys like Howard, Utley, Lee. You know, they just got a bunch of old bats, you know, going nowhere, you know, they need to bring up some of these young guys, you know, they need to test out some of these young guys, and, you know, similar to what the Red Sox did a few years ago, you know, if they don't trade Papelbon, you know, before the season, he will most certainly be moved by the trade deadline, because I, this Phillies team has a chance to be historically bad, you know, other oh, than yeah. Hamels and Lee, you know, they got really no offense, you know, no bullpen, you know, no pitching, so, uh, Papelbon doesn't surprise me as a guy who did want to trade. You know, if I was Milwaukee, I'd be cautious. He does get erratic in games. His ERA can get up there. You know, he um, he had a close, you know, um, three ERA, two years that he's been in Philly. Um, excuse me, one year he was in Boston, the other year he was in Philly. So, um, you know, I would take my time if I was, uh, you know, Milwaukee. I'd look into other closers, but, you know, if Papelbon's the guy they settle on, so be it, but um, you know, he's nothing to me now than just an average closer. You know, I, I haven't seen too too much of his uh, him being a star at the end of games anymore. He's kind of got lost in Philly, and um, hey, if he can regain his uh, you know, all star form in Milwaukee, good for him. You know, he's a good talent. Yeah, obviously 
Red Sox fans can't deny what he did for us here in terms of helping win the World Series. And his, uh, and obviously everyone loved his little Irish jig dancing after winning the World Series. And his just everything except for his underwear was not on at Fenway Park, dancing with his beer and cigar. And uh, we all loved it. And we all loved the show. But I think a lot of fans were kind of drew the straw with him. When, when, when you did, Nate, when they... When he, he kind of came out and said Philly fans are much smarter and much more historically sound in terms of sports with than the Red Sox fans, and that kind of kind of um, Brett made Red Sox fans kind of not like him anymore. And which for any, for good riddance, I mean, for for good reasons, it's, it makes sense. And I think that ooh, excuse me, um, the Milwaukee Brewers um, are still in on him, but I think it, the trade talks have dwindled since the Jeff Passan report early on Friday. Um, that being said, if they did not sign him and they did, or trade him for him. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez is strongly in talks with the Brewers still to be re-signed. K-Rod is obviously a phenomenal closer, and I think that he is in line to... Um, if, I think he is the plan if they just do not go and get a replacement, which is basically um, Jonathan Papelbon. I think K-Rod will go back to the Brewers if they don't land Papelbon. I think K-Rod's a, a feasible option. I don't think he's really tapped out um, completely. I don't, I don't think so. I feel like he is still a good closer. He was good last year for the Brewers for the most part. And I, I just think that for Rodriguez is one younger. He's only 33 compared to Palpon. What did I say? 35, I believe Palpon is. Um, last year he had 3.04 area with 44 saves and 68 innings. So, but round Palpon numbers, the area is a little higher. But I think Hayrod, for the most part, I think is going to be the more reasonable option now for the Brewers. I think with a full, for for the Brewers, I don't think giving up much for Pavelbon is worth it unless you can really control his antics. And you might not get Pavelbon of old. He's kind of older now in terms of his age, and I just feel like it might not even be worth it when you have a guy like K-Rod just want, who wants to come back. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he wants to play for the Brewers. So I, I, I think it's kind of really just realistically, I think K-Rod's the better option. Yep, and you know, this is a little bit of my bias against teams. You know, rather than going out and, you know, trading for, you know, closers, you know, starters who could be a tick better than the guy who's a free agent, you know, I always go the route of bringing back the guy who you had or who you want instead of going out, getting all your prospects together and, you know, shipping them off to a team um, like Philly. You know, I, I just don't like when teams do that. And I definitely think bringing back K-Rod would be the better option. You know, he has that saves record. You know, I think K-Rod's a better closer than Papelbon. You know, that's just my opinion. Uh, you know, many will disagree with me. Many will agree with me. But if I was Milwaukee, I would bring back K-Rod. You know, he pitched there last year. He's shown he can pitch there. He, uh, You know, he's liked. You know, the fans like him. So uh, I think that would be the better option. All I know is, in terms of Papelbon, he needs out of Philly if he has any hope of regaining his career, and Philly definitely wants to, to make that divorce final as soon as possible. So I, I think you're going to be looking for them to shop him. If they, if, he can't, if they can't get this deal done, which it seems like this deal is kind of on uh, its last legs, if life support, if you will, really, it, it's, it probably won't happen. I think you're going to see K-Rod back in Milwaukee. I think you're going to see Pavon start the season in spring training with the Phillies and potentially be dealt by the, the deadline, depending on if the team needs a closer down the road. Uh, depending on injuries and stuff. So definitely stay tuned for that one in terms of where Papelbon will go. Obviously a, a story tied to Boston just based on him being who he was here, and fans kind of like to follow his career after the fact, despite them not liking him. But that being said, we're going to move on here. we got about 15-ish minutes left here on today's show, um, and I want to get to 
what we're going to do now, uh, basically every episode leading up to spring training, because spring training is right around the corner, folks. Don't let uh, Juno fool you. We got a couple feet of snow down there out there, but don't let us fool, don't let that fool you. Baseball is right around the corner down in the Fort Myers, and pitchers and catchers reporting in less than a month. It's time to start looking at the Red Sox season. Nate, the Red Sox beat manager here for the writing staff as well. It's got games on the calendar ready to go for recaps, and I'm all fired up for it. And it's time to start looking at these rosters, what they are. And so Nate and I are going to start a little uh, previewing of the AL East and what the Red Sox have up against. Uh, week by week, we're going to go one team per week. Oh, obviously, of course, other news surrounded as well. But this week, we're going to start with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Overall, Toronto Blue Jays really just don't impress me until they actually win something. As much as good as they were last year for a majority of the season, they just don't impress me yet because they haven't proven anything yet. Even when they're good, they still are bad. Um, they need uh, Doug Martin, obviously, um, helped. But I just, I just, I don't know. I just think that they need to prove to me that they are good and they can play a whole season and stay consistent. So we're gonna go there and like, and I'm gonna let. Kind of Nate give me his opinions on the the devil uh, not the devil rays duh, the Blue Jays and and just kind of preview what he thinks is going to happen. So Nate, I want to know right away what do you think was the top one or two acquisitions so far? It might change with the before spring training that the Blue Jays have made this winter. Um, obviously, getting Josh Donaldson at third base, you know, adding a former you know MVP candidate, you know, thirty home run guy, you know, can rake in one hundred and fifteen RBIs in a given. Obviously, I love that move at third base. It's a huge upgrade over Brett Lowry. Defensively, offensively, you know, in the clubhouse, he's going to be a real, real threat in the middle of that lineup. And another move I love they made, you know, adding Russell Martin behind home plate. You know, he's a very good defensive catcher. You know, he's got a very good bat. Um, calls a very good game. You know, he's a very good uh, percentage of throwing out guys. So, you know, he's definitely an upgrade at catcher. And now they can move Deion Navarro, a guy we saw a lot of last year, you know, hit very well against the Red Sox. Now he becomes the backup, you know, the backup catcher, backup first baseman, backup DH. He can move around a lot, you know, switch hitting guy, some pop. And, you know, I think those are two deals that are really, really going to pay big dividends for the Blue Jays. Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, Russell Martin getting a big solidified catcher back there. He has a decent under uh, standing of the game and can call a pretty good game. He obviously has a bat to him, and I just think obviously Donaldson's a big one, and that's potentially who I would think would be probably the best player on the team this year. But I really think that he uh, Martin was the best sign just because he got a, a solidified catching position back there now. Let him take the staff and kind of go with it. He know he he's from there. So he knows he wants to win there. He's committed to that team, and I think that's probably why it makes the most sense to give him, for me, the best sign to the him. Um, Nate, what else do you think they need to do? What, what else do you think they need to add? Um, they, obviously, they definitely need to add uh, a pitcher, you know, a starting pitcher. Uh, you know, this was a team with a four ERA combined as a team. You know, they ranked 22nd. Um, you know, another stat that popped out is, you know, they had only three complete games from the staff, you know, not the best bullpen when you look at it, you know, with uh, like Estrada, uh, Redmond, Drayback, you know, Cecil closing out games. You know, they lost Jensen at closer, and, you know, they didn't make any significant upgrades in the rotation, if any upgrades in the rotation. So, you know, I definitely think they need that pitcher. I don't think they can really rely on R.A. Dickey. You know, he plays in the pitcher's ballpark. He leaves the ball up. You know, balls get sent out of uh, the Rogers Center left and right. You know, I, I always just look at the Blue Jays, and I always just think they're a pitcher away. But if they can get a guy like Shields, guy like Zimmerman, guy like Fister, I 
I just think they could take the AL East. I really do. Yeah, they could take the AL East if they get some pitching. I, I do agree. I think um, I, I, I think they are still lacking something. And I, Nate, I'm not going to put all my I'm not going to bank on them until they prove it to me because we even saw it last year. They were up there for a while and they just did their typical Blue Jays thing and just kind of spiraled down until they splattered on the ground like they usually do. So. I don't trust the Blue Jays. And to me, it's still a weak division, and they're part of they're part of the reason they need to really get themselves going. I think taking the steps of Martin and Donaldson were huge for me in terms of building my confidence that they will move forward and try to potentially take that last step over the top. Um, obviously, them potentially getting Dan Duquette to run the team is also another thing that's been talked still, and that's, that hasn't really gone away. So if that happens, he obviously put the Orioles together. He used to be the Red Sox GM, so I think that. That's another big step to if, if he takes the Blue Jays team and does that. Obviously, you might see what will happen to the Orioles to happen to the Blue Jays because Daniel Kenton does know this game. So that's another big thing to keep an eye on. Who do you think would be um, – I know it's really early. I know it's early. But just a potential MVP watch. Um, who do you think would be – give me one or two people, if, you, if not, if you can't think of just one, to really just have an MVP season and be the most valuable player for the Blue Jays in 2015. Yep, I got two guys, a guy who's going to hit the heart of the order, um, Edwin and Canarcion, you know, mm-hmm. probably going to be the full-time DH, you know, hit 34 home runs, drove in 98 runs in only 128 games, you know. Those are impressive numbers when I look at them. And, um, you know, hitting, I think he's going to hit in between uh, Batista and uh, Donaldson or, you know, in the uh, following them, you know, I just think he's in for a monster year. And another guy I look at is uh, Jose Reyes. Uh, you know, a little down here for Reyes. Yeah, 287. I think he's going to hit anywhere from 300 to uh, 310. You know, I think he's going to steal more bases. And, um, you know, he he's just going to score a lot of runs. Because, I mean, when you hit ahead of Encarnacion, Batista, and Donaldson, you are sure bet to get home when you get on base. I give my MIP, my most improved player to Jose Reyes, I think that he... I think he's been kind of slacking in there, and I think he's. I think it's kind of that year for him. I think he's going to be the one to give the MIP to MVP for me. I've got. I got to give it to Joey Bats, man. He's consistently been there for that team. Hits home runs, hits the ball. He's consistently an All Star. And as much as I'd like to say Josh Donaldson because of what he's going to bring defensively as well, I think Batista's not no slouch in the outfield either, especially with that arm of his. So I think I'm going to give the MVP of the Blue Jays to the obvious and longtime Blue Jay Jose Batista. That is my bet. Uh, Nate, where do they finish? I, in the AL East? Yeah, don't worry about the playoffs, just AL East. I would say in the AL East right now, I would put them at one. One? Yep, I would. I, I'm surprised at the answer only because I really feel like, how close do you have them? Uh, see, I don't want to ruin this because we're going to moving forward to the segment, so I'm just going to ask, what are your reasonings for putting them at one? I, I just look at this team, and I think this offense is obviously better than any team in the American League, in my opinion. You know, when you add a guy like Josh Donaldson to a team that I think they average somewhere around four point, like six or seven runs a game, that is a huge upgrade. They're going to have a healthy Edward and Canacion, I think, for the whole season. You know, they're going to have Reyes back, you know hamstring injuries, you know, I've, I've heard him saying he's feeling healthy, you know, they got a guy like Dalton Pompey out in center instead of Rasmus, a swing and miss center fielder, I just think they have everything together, good defensive team, excellent offense, and, you know, you know you're going to have guys like Stroman, um, Hutchinson, Sanchez, you know, they're going to have another year under their belt, you're going to have guys like Norris and Liam Hendricks who can come up. 
I just think this team's rotation is going to be a lot better than people think, as I do with the Red Sox. And I just really like this team. There you have it, folks. Nate is the one to tell you. Blue Jays are going to do it this year. They are the ones to move forward and uh, win the ALE. So uh, we're going to keep reviewing the American League East. Don't you worry. we got four other teams to worry about. So uh, we'll get there leading up to spring training. Um, that being said, though, hey, Nate has them winning. So I, I do not have them winning. I have them coming in second. I'm not going to say anything more. I'm not going to tell you who I have anything other than that because I, want, I want you guys to tune in more. I want you to listen to us next week as well to get the full range of what we're going to talk about. But don't forget, so right now, Nate and I have a tally. Nate has the Blue Jays winning the AL East. Me, have, I have them at second. Not getting over that hump this year. Potentially, it could sneak in as a wild card team depending on the records in the AL East, but I just don't see it. I think they'll miss the playoffs, but just missed the AL East. Um, that being said, I'm gonna, that's going to wrap it up this week here on Red Sox Speed. Good talk. Uh, next week, we'll preview um, another team of the AL East. Uh, might be the Baltimore Orioles. I haven't decided yet, so stay tuned for that. Um, of course, today's show was brought to you by Lynda.com, our new sponsor here at CLNS Radio. Uh, kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to Lynda.com. Go to Lynda. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com backslash C-L-N-S to get your 10-day free trial over 4,500 courses on anything you can possibly think of, whether you want to boost your financial goals or help yourself work better in life or balancing your life in general. Uh, try to train experts there to uh, help you out and do a lot of great courses, so get on there today. Again, that's lynda.com backslash C-L-N-S. Get on there for your free 10-day trial. Uh, that's it for me and Nate Rollins. Uh, until next week, and brave the storm if you're already past the storm. We'll hope you enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl next week for all you football fans. It's going to be a good one. Pat Seahawks, um, assuming all of you root for the Patriots. Uh, until next week, we'll get some more Red Sox beat. Uh, happy baseball, and stay tuned, everyone.